<laughs> your new old home, your old new home. Well, uh, last week we had Dennis Rainier here, and it was one powerful time. How many of you, just show of hands, received a prophetic word from Dennis last Sunday? Hands in the air if you did. Okay, that's, that's enough to justify this message. <laughs> I think whenever you receive a prophetic word, there are wise things that you should be doing next. Uh, an unapplied prophetic word is a wasted prophetic word. A prophetic word that isn't interpreted properly is a wasted prophetic word. So today's teaching I am afraid of because it's boring. And somebody said, you've never been boring in your life. And this could be my first moment of terminal <laughs> boredom. You guys are the experiment to find out if I can rise above dry material and God can turn it into something exciting and interesting. But listen, it's really important because knowing how to properly receive a prophetic word is essential to the effect of the word. A prophetic word that's not properly interpreted or applied is of no use whatsoever. So this is one of those little instructional things where we're simply going to go through a bunch of principles about how do I properly receive and apply a prophetic word. And it's timely for what we had last, uh, last Sunday. So I've already hinted at the first point. Prophecy is composed of three Aspects, three components. Anyone want to hazard a guess what I'm talking about? <laughs> this isn't supposed to... For a second there, I actually thought, this guy is absolutely brilliant. And then I realized he's a fraud. I, I forgive you. I forgive you. Yeah, okay, since you cheated and it's an open book exam, fine, let's just go over it then. Prophecy is composed of three aspects, the actual data, the interpretation, and the application of the interpretation. Are you getting it? And here's the thing. I've been around prophetic people a long time, and I don't like them very much. They're strange. They see meaning in everything. They're driving down the road, and they turn, and they see a cloud, and they go, the Lord says something or other. And I'm thinking, that's a cloud. They come and they go. That's it, the Lord says. They come and they go. The per highly prophetic people get data like all the time. It's like their receiver's constantly on. The signal's constantly coming in. They're very high in receiving the data. And that's a good thing. Sort of. It's a good thing. But... Interpretation is another aspect. One is the raw data, but what does it mean? And whose job is it to figure out what it means? Any guesses? It's your job. It's not the prophetic person's job to tell you what it means. At some point, you become responsible for figuring out what it means and how you're going to use it, how you're going to apply it. And... This is just in my experience, okay? But I want you to understand how this often works. Prophetic people 
are at the top of the graph on raw data. They get tons of it. But they're not quite as good as at interpreting it as they are at getting it. And they're often very poor at applying it. You with me? Says the pastor. <laughs> but so the pastors are on the other end. They're not getting much raw data. Why not? Because they're busy running the church. They, 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 they're not getting it all. The, they don't live and breathe to get revelation. They, they mostly apply revelation. So they're not as good at the raw data, but they're quite good at interpretation, and they're really good at helping you figure out how to apply it. So we have these two crossing graphs between prophetic ministry and pastoral leadership. Where the two graphs intersect is the sweet spot where revelation meets interpretation and finds application. Is this making any sense to you? So more and more we need to understand those three aspects so we don't... In the church I had in Canada, (laughs) I had a problem with the prophetic people. Every Monday I got, I'm not exaggerating, long letters telling me what should have happened on Sunday and telling me that I had failed as a leader because there was a moment when God was going to manifest and we were going to see people raised from the dead or something wonderful. And you know, they, I was a worship leader at the time and they actually told me the Spirit was coming to manifest and there was going to be all this incredible work of the Lord but you chose the wrong song. Literally. The third song, it was God was just ready to come and do amazing things, and you went to the wrong song. Thank you. Thank you for your encouragement. It's just great to be a leader, isn't it? Let's just get a target on my back. So I got very disillusioned about prophecy and actually hurt by it. And I threw the baby out with the bathwater. A terrible mistake. Just shut it down in the church. Guess what? Shut down that gift, all the other gifts dried up. All the passion in worship and the healings dribbled to a stop. I grieved the Holy Spirit by depreciating His gift because I misunderstood how it's supposed to work. And then I said, God, what's wrong? What's, what, what's, what's, why is this all dried up? And he began to show me this relationship between the prophetic role, the interpretation, the application of gifts. And then we started working together as a prophetic group of people and a leadership group of people. We came together every week and we talked about the gifts just like we do like on Wednesday nights and in a pre-service prayer. And it began to come together and work like it's supposed to work. And when that happens, it's powerful. It's life-changing. So so you get a prophetic word. Someone gives you something. Sometimes it's like super easy to understand. Like the prophetic word is um, you need to go in the next mission trip to Mexico. That don't take no interpretation. (laughs) That just takes one application. Are you going to go or aren't you? But what if it's a, what if it's a, I, I, I see you sitting I see you sitting at the kitchen table and in front of you there's a plate and there's no food on it. And the number 20 keeps flashing on the plate. 20, 20, 20. Anyone want to interpret this vision? 
What might it mean? Go to Mexico. <laughs> oh, idiot. The plate's empty. You're, you're sitting down to eat. The plate's empty and the number 20 is flashing. Okay, here's a possible interpretation. You're supposed to go on a 20-day fast. Maybe. Maybe. But here's what happened in my church. When the plate is flashing with 20, they come to me and say, the church has to go on a 20-day fast. Wait a minute. It's your word. Maybe God wants you to go on a 20-day fast. Maybe he wants me to celebrate and be a glutton for 20 days. Like, who gets to decide what we do with the word? The leadership is going to have to decide that. What if the word's not just for you? What if it's for the whole church? What if it's for somebody else? Someone has to make that judgment. Somebody has to figure out the application. Now, more often than not, the person that should be interpreting the word is the one that received it, not the one that gave it. And this is not easy to do. So, why is it not easy to do? Why, why is it hard to interpret the word that you've just been given accurately, to get the right interpretation? Why is it difficult? Anyone? We're getting to that in a minute. It's critical. Let's get darker here. Let's get, let's get down and honest about ourselves as people. Why is it hard to... Pardon? Your wife is the real thing. You are a fraud. <laughs> Clearly. And that's a prophetic word, and you can interpret it any way you want. Because... Because... Because we have a vested interest in what we want the word to say. Nobody wants 20 and a flashing 20 and a plate to be a fast. Nobody wants to do that. God wants us to buy a new dishwasher. The plate was clean. Clearly, we're supposed to have a new dishwasher. Like, you have a vested interest in your own comfort. This, that, and the other thing. So you will, you will take you will take the size 6 shoe and jam yourself, your, your size 12 foot into that just to get it to fit because you just like the 6 shoe because it looks good except it doesn't fit. We, we just have this tendency, honestly, to come up with interpretations which suit our purposes in advance. I do it all the time. It's, just, it's dumb. And it usually ends up to, to an ineffective prophetic word. So now knowing that, knowing that, what's a way around that mistake? Seek the counsel of other people. Now who should you choose to reflect the interpretation with? Who should you choose to sit down and talk about this? Who should, what, what kind of person? Who should this be in your life? Spiritual mother or father. Somebody, somebody who loves you. Somebody who loves you ahead of everything else, but they're also willing to speak the truth. Someone wise with some life experience. Right? And you sit there, and maybe it's family, maybe it's mom or dad, maybe it's spiritual mother or father, maybe it's a, 
older brother or sister, somebody who knows God and knows his word. And then you pour out the word and then, then they ask you questions about your life circumstances. And you answer them honestly. In the counsel of many, there is wisdom. Right? The Bible says that. So you find the kind of person that loves you but is willing to work through the hard things and tell you the truth. We interpret the word through the lens of the circumstances of our life. The interpretation should make sense. Does this make sense to what I'm going through right now? Is this, is this a summation of, of the things I've been thinking or worrying about? It's hard for us to be objective because we have a vested interest in the interpretation of the word. So we approach the word with that interpretation in mind. Prophecy is a means of guidance. <laughs> They're on the ball now, boy. You know, if this isn't quick and you don't do this right, I have a prophetic word for you. <laughs> Prophecy is often a means of divine guidance. As a means of divine guidance, this is important, it's subject to the same rules of determining God's guidance that we face in any decision. So what are these principles? The first one is this. Make a choice to obey. Let's, let's get this one out of the way first. <clears throat> I love football. I just love watching football. Peyton Manning and um, Marvin Harrison, back in the day, they'd come out two to three hours before the game, and they'd just run patterns. Harrison was a w wonderful wide receiver, fabulous deep ball. So they could throw it 40 yards and he'd be right there when that ball dropped down. And you know, he didn't even, he didn't even turn around and look and wait. He just knew when the ball was going to arrive. Literally knew when the ball was going to arrive. And they practiced and practiced and practiced for several hours before the game started and they'd been practicing all week. So they both knew if I run the speed I normally run right down that sideline and he drops back seven steps and the time it takes to drop back seven steps, I should be at about such and such a yard line. Then he's going to launch that ball at a spot on the field, 40 yards down field. And if I run my pattern like we practiced over and over again, I will arrive at that spot on the field when the ball drops, and I will not even have to look. I'll just simply look up like this, and boom, it drops. It's hitting a bucket the size of a Home Depot bucket, moving at 20 miles an hour down the field for 40 yards like this, and the ball drops right into the bucket. It's spectacular. But it's on the basis of they worked this out over and over and over again. So it was clockwork. Why did, why did Peyton Manning always throw the ball to Marvin Harrison? Because he knew Marvin Harrison was going to be at the spot in the field where he was supposed to be when the ball dropped. There's a willingness to obey. When we have crossed that line that says, I will do with this word whatever you tell me to do with this word no matter what. When we've figured out, I'm going to obey God no matter what. 
we cross a line. Now we're in the sweet spot. Now we're in the zone. He can throw whatever ball he wants to throw to us because he knows we're going to be there because we've practiced it and, we, and we've been told where to be and we're going to be at that moment when we're supposed to be there. Does it make sense to you? So here's the deal. And this sounds a little cruel, but why should God give prophetic words to people who have not determined in advance to obey him? Why? Why would he bother? Isn't that the first issue in the Christian life? Am I willing to do what you say even when it's difficult or uncomfortable? The technical word is called consecration. It means that you've said, this life I'm now leading. Where's Aiden? Aiden, this life that you're now leading is not yours anymore. When you became a Christian, it stopped being about you and it started being about him. He's the Lord. He's the master. Now, the, the good thing is he's wonderful and he's fully loving. He's phenomenal. And he always wants your best, but your best in his decision, his mind, not your best in your own opinion. Because you have a, a vested interest in your comfort. And he's okay with your discomfort if it will get you somewhere better. Are you with me? And you don't know that. You're just aware of what you want. But when you get consecrated and you say, look, God, it's, it, this life belongs to you. It doesn't belong to me. It's not my life anymore. It's your life in me. And you get that settled with him. Then when the day comes that that kind of certainty is required to make a hard decision, you'll, you'll make the hard decision. You'll do it. There was a meeting I was at in the 1980s was in a huge stadium, and I was up near the top. And the guy running the meeting, John Wimber, said, <laughs> I never heard this before. He said, there's a call for martyrdom tonight. There's a call for those who are willing to die for the faith. If that's you, come forward. I want to pray for you. Something went off inside of me. I said, yeah, that's me. I got to do this. I got to cross that line. And I went down there and stood with a bunch of other terrified losers. And he prayed over us that we would have the gift of martyrdom. Short time later, we were scheduled to go to Russia with the ministry team. The coup was taking place. People in the church came and said, you need to not go. If you go, you'll die. There's a good chance you're going to die there. I'm already dead. I died when I went forward to deal with the martyrdom issue. I said, no, I'm going. If this is how I die, this is how I die. I saw two blind children healed on that trip. Watched their eyes clear while I prayed for them. I saw droves of people become Christians in spectacularly powerful ways that I've never seen matched. It was a pure joy. I still think of those things and think that was one of the best times of my life. It was made 
possible to go in confidence that if I die, I die, but we've already settled that issue. So obedience is an issue that must be settled. And you're thinking, I don't, I don't think I can do that. I mean, 100% like, like I'm totally sold out. Look, we're not defined by our successes. We're defined by our goals. Do you understand? The goal. The goal is I want to give myself 100% to God. I want it to be His life and not mine. I want finally not to make every decision on what I want and make my decisions on what He wants. That's your goal. Nobody's going to reach that in this lifetime. Nobody. 100%. Nobody. I don't believe full consecration is possible. I think there's a human nature that keeps getting in the way. But listen, when you have the right goal, the goal continually corrects you. When you wander off five degrees, the goal gets you back centered again. Without dealing with the issue of whose life is this anyway, we will have a tendency to interpret every prophetic word in terms of what's in it for me. My, what I want. Without thinking, what does he want? And he always knows best. And it's not always pleasant. But so what? He always knows best. He loves me. And I'm going to come out the other side of this thing thankful that I said yes. We have to deal with this issue ahead of what we do with the prophetic word is going to depend on whether we're willing to obey it when we figure it out. You with me? Okay. That's number one. Do we actually desire God's rule and reign? And I put in my notes, the level of commitment motivation has to be at least greater than 50%. That puts you in them, well, most of the time I do the right thing. At least most of the time. It's not perfection. It's having the right goal. The goals define you. Number two, Kyle. Number two. Know the Bible. Know the Bible. How can you interpret a word effectively if you don't know the criteria for, what it, for what's right? Good interpretation. Got to know the Bible. Here's the coolest thing about the Bible. Do you know that it has, it has verses about every aspect of human life? Every aspect. Your identity, your sexuality, your work relationships your parent-child relationships, your sibling relationships, your relationship to money, your relationship to pride, your relationship to intellect. <laughs> the Bible has something to say about every possible situation you could find yourself in. And they've made it so doggone easy. I mean, it used to be you had to read it. You don't have to read it anymore. You can go online and you can type in, what does the Bible say about such and such? That saved me four hours of hunting. Like, God has made it so easy to figure out His will now. You just have to shut off your phone for a minute or use the phone the way God intended, you know, for a little while. You can find out the answer to pretty much any situation. And once you find out that list of verses and it just prints out the list of verses and you read through and it takes you maybe 15 minutes 
maybe 20 minutes, now you know what God says about that subject. Now, through that lens, applying the prophetic word is going to be a whole lot easier and a whole lot more accurate. You with me? Your word is a lamp to my feet, lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How many, how many times do you have a person, have you heard a person say, I just don't know what to do next? I just don't know what I'm going to do about this. You'll find it in here. Most of the time you'll find it in there. It won't tell you who to marry. Won't tell you what job to take. It won't tell you what house to buy. Won't tell you what car. That's the Holy Spirit can get that to you in another way. But it'll tell you all the principles you need to apply to have a successful life. All scripture is inspired by God. It's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that everyone who belongs to God, everyone who belongs to God, do you belong to God? Then you're part of the everyone. And if you don't belong to God, hurry up and get belonging to God, okay? Your life's going to go better. Guys, accept Jesus as your personal Savior. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> to the guys. Get that, get that thing, get that decision figured out as soon as you can. Because that's the number one decision of your entire life. Do I want to follow Jesus? Do I want to make him the Lord of my life? Do I want his ins- insight and his input and his intelligence and his wisdom and his love and his power flowing through me or do I just want to do it alone? Well, put that way, why would anyone want to do it alone? Anyone, everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Number three, Sound judgment, common sense, and clear thinking. Isn't it cool how in God's world there's like the spooky stuff? Like, like the clouds that talk to us and everything has a spiritual meaning and it's just great to be weird. There's whole, all of that. It's awesome. But then there's this, this practicality. Just be logical, be reasonable, read the book, apply the book. Yeah. Isn't it cool how... God is both. He's like super rational. He's completely weird. (laughs) Like he makes perfect sense and then other times he doesn't seem to make any sense at all. Is that just us or is is that the way he made us? I think he made us that way. Sound judgment, common sense, and clear thinking. We have the ability to look at ourselves with what Paul calls, calls sober judgment. And we look at the circumstances we're in and the opportunities available to us and oftentimes it's just make a logical decision. Make sense? Look at sound judgment, common sense, and clear thinking with respect to our gifts, our abilities, our temperaments, our passions, and our energies. And then see how the word applies, the guidance applies to who you are at this point in your life and what actually makes sense. Can you see the first violinist in the Dallas Philharmonic Orchestra deciding that she wants to start a Bible study for the Dallas Cowboy football players? Oh, they'll have so much in common. Can you see 
a guy that has the worst plant allergy in the world interpreting a prophecy that he should go and live in the Amazon jungle? This doesn't make sense. Both of those, the violinist with the, cowboy, with the football players and the guy with the allergies in the jungle, that interpre- those interpretations would be possible if there was a miracle in both cases to make it possible. But barring that, just doesn't suit the details of your life. Quality counsel. I've already said this, but it's really true. One of the biggest problems in determining the will of God for our own lives is that we cannot be objective about our own situations. Right? Therefore, we need someone who loves us but can be objective about our own situation and help us analyze it and say, yeah, that plant allergy, mm, man, I don't think the Amazon jungle's for you. Maybe a football player should start that Bible study with the Cowboys. Maybe you should start one with the string section. Just saying. The solution to our subjectivity is the body of Christ. The solution to your subjectivity of not being able to see it except through your own eyes is being part of this thing right here. Being part of a small group, having friends that you can go to and kick the, thing, kick, kick the ideas around with and work on it, that's how we do it. Doesn't that make sense? We need each other. We need the gift of good counsel. We need the gift of wisdom. Here's the verse. Where there is no guidance, a nation falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to advice. Okay, now, now we're just going to throw all that out. Just toss it all and go the absolute op- opposite direction. Are you ready? The next one, what are the desires of your heart? What are the desires of your heart? Did you know that God has input to the desires of your heart? Did you know that he works at a level so deep within you that he's actually affecting your desires and you're not even noticing that he's affecting your desires? And then you realize, I desire something that I never desired before, but I want it with all my heart. And where did that desire come from? It came from him. You know that verse in Philippians, he works, to, he works within us to will and to do his good pleasure. What's really interesting, if you look up the word will, he works, at, he works in your will to choose, to do his good pleasure. That will, that word will there doesn't mean just like willpower, like make a decision. It's talking about the deepest part of our desires at the very root of our identity. He is working there to will and to desire and to do what is right. So, the desires of your heart. When... This is, a, this is an interesting question. Follow this. When can you trust the desires of your own heart? And take that as a sign that you're correctly interpreting a word or direction. When can you trust your own heart? 
Okay. You're going you're gonna to look at the Word, right? You're gonna, you, through the lens of the Bible, through the wisdom of brothers and sisters. But let's say they're not around. Okay, look. There's, what did you say? Joy? Okay, we're all, we're all looking for signs that we can trust the desires of our heart. But how do I know I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind? Maybe I tricked myself on that one too. Here's, what, here's the criteria, and it's really practical. When you are normally seeking to know Him, and you are normally seeking to follow Him, the desires of your heart are often from Him, and you will get peace. Contrarywise, where you are generally avoiding Him and going your own way, the desires of your own heart are probably corrupt. It comes down to this point of making this decision about who's the Lord of your life and making a decision about obedience. When you are generally obeying Him and your normal inclination is to find Him and know Him and enjoy Him and serve Him, you can trust the desires of your heart. But when you are leaning away from Him and generally going away from Him, don't trust those feelings. They're probably not right. Does this make sense? Brings us back to this issue of what do I really want? Do I really want to know Him? Do I really want to follow Him? Am I willing to obey Him? This is one of the signs. This, I, I want to stress this. What I just said could be taken... It's really interesting. Personality types. Do you know that there's hyper-responsible people? Hope. <laughs> I am married to one. If there's a way that she can interpret her action as her fault, she always chooses it's her fault. When there's any need, she always rises to the occasion, no matter how self-destructive it might be to do that kindness. She's hyper-responsible. I need to calm her down frequently and say, no, God didn't call you to do that. That was just your hyper-responsibility asserting itself. But then there's the other ones. <laughs> there's no responsibility at all. It's like, whatever's fun, whatever feels good, has got to be the Lord. <laughs> yeah, that's his sign again. I'll have that third cheeseburger today. I don't care that it's 1,780 calories, including French fries. I'm just going to eat that mother. Uh, a, a thing. A cheeseburger. So, you know, can't hurt to figure out which one of those personality types you are. If you're prone to hyper-responsibility, could you just relax, go with the peace? If you're always going with the peace and you're just basically a slug, maybe it's time to wake up and admit that, ask God to motivate you. Make a decision to obey. Know the Bible. Use sound judgment, common sense, and clear thinking in the light of your gifts and your abilities, your temperament, your passions and your energy. Quality counsel from those that know you and know God. And then the desires of your heart. And finally, 
maybe he will give a supernatural interpretation and application. Maybe just like the first part was supernatural, then the rest of it will be too. That can happen, but it's not as common. Okay? How shall we apply all this? What do you think the application should be to what we just saw? What do you think the number one thing is we should do to apply this teaching? Pray for What's the issue, guys? What's the issue that rose up today? What's the heart of this message? I think it's a, I think it's obedience. Beyond even obedience, I think it starts with this whose life is it anyway? Is this really my life? Or did I give my life to him and he gave his life to me and now he's living his life in me and his wisdom is better than mine and his love is far beyond anything I'm capable of. And he knows everything. And here's the, here's the weird thing, you guys. He knows you better than you know yourself. Years ago, my brother-in-law built a sailboat from a bare hull took him five and a half years in his front yard in Victoria, Canada. The neighbors wanted to kill him. <laughs> this massive boat sitting there in the front yard for years. And when you build a boat, it's custom. Everything you build, you build yourself. Some, some parts of the wood and weird angles, he had to do five or six times before he got that one joint right. He did all the, the heating and cooling systems. He did all the diesel and fuel systems, the water uh, systems. Everything he built from scratch. And I sailed that boat for 14 years. And I thought I knew it pretty well until something went wrong. And I'm on the phone in Friday Harbor going, Len, I can't get the motor started. Or Len, there's a leak coming from this part of the boat. I don't know what it is, but this is not good. He'd ask me two questions and say, okay, this is what you need to do. No matter how much I enjoyed the boat, and I did, skippering and everything else, he knew the boat because he created the boat. And his judgment was always right about what I should do to take care of that boat. You think you know what's best for you. You don't know squat. (laughs) Just to be blunt, you don't have a clue. You have what your hormones tell you. You have what what your... Ego tells you, you have what bad influential friends tell you, you have what the wrong girl in your life is telling you, the wrong guy in your life is telling you, but you don't know. You just don't know. But he knows you perfectly. And what he does with your life will be a thousand times better than anything you can do with your life. And it's not perfect. We... We never give, I don't think it's possible to give yourself completely to God 100% every minute of every day. But like I said, it's about the goals, right? Get the goal right and it will lead you down the path. So I want to focus on this, you guys. I really do. I want to focus on the consecration thing. And it isn't pleasant, but we have to do it from time to time. 
to check our glasses to see how dirty they are and get them cleaned so we're seeing accurately. So let's close our eyes. Yeah. Um, sorry to interrupt, but real quick, as Mark was teaching in this moment, <clears throat> I want to tell you a, a quick testimony. Um, this consecration, the submission to the Lordship of Christ, that he's king, rather than a consumer Christian like, you know, you know, uh, gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy, what have you done for me lately, God? That, that relationship is frustrating. Jesus has called to us to come and die. That's what he says. He, he, we give invitations, do you want peace in your life, do you want joy in your life? Jesus says, come and die. Because until you cross that line, then um, if you don't give yourself, all of yourself to him, he doesn't give all of himself to you. But once you give all of yourself to him, all of a sudden, you're like, dang, why didn't I do this sooner, right? Because there's a rebellion issue. There's a rebellion issue. From the very beginning of time, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. And ever since then, there's chaos and confusion and lack of peace and all that. That's where that all comes from. Complete submission is where you experience complete peace that comes from Christ. So one uh, time in our church service like this, I was given the same call a number of years ago for complete submission to the authority of Christ in your life. And I just gave everybody the opportunity like Mark's about to. And there was a, a guy in the church who had a, um, his shoulder. We'd prayed over him a thousand times. His shoulder, he had an injury for 20 years. He'd had this injury. And when I called everybody in the church to completely submit to Christ, completely submit your life to him. I got quiet and my friend felt somebody tap on his shoulder like he had, somebody had to get through the aisle. And he turns around and there's nobody there but his shoulder was completely healed. I'm telling you, the key to Christianity is the complete submission to the authority of God in your life. That's when you start experiencing the kingdom flowing in your life. Yeah, what he said. So look, why don't we do it why don't we do it, all right? I, I, I invite you to pray this with me. And it'll be an honest prayer. Father, I'm not very good at trusting you. And it shames me How often I doubt whether you really know what's best or whether you really want what's best. And sometimes I think you just want to use me. And I know that that's wrong. It's just not true. It's not who you are. You love me. And you always want what's best for me, but you know best, and I don't. Father, I want to trust you with everything that's precious to me, my life and my future. I want to trust you with that. And I want to be able to say yes to you all the time and never say no to you. And you have to help me do it. 
Holy Spirit, help me to want to say yes to God all the time. Want to say yes to you all the time and obey you. I want to give my life to you right now completely. I want to give myself to you. And you can do with me whatever you want. Holy Spirit, I ask you to show each one of us right now what stands in the way of giving myself completely to you. What is it I'm afraid of? What is it I'm afraid of giving up? What stands in the way of saying yes to you completely? Holy Spirit, please reveal that right now. Father, what do you want to say about that? Speak to us, Lord. What do you want to say about that? can I trust you? Can I trust you with my life, my future, my desires, my plans? Father, what do you want to say to me about that? Do you? 
Everyone close your eyes. Close your eyes. Nobody gets to see. Nobody gets to see. It's between you and the Lord. If your desire is to give yourself wholeheartedly to Him and live for Him, through Him, that's your desire right now. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Holy Spirit, you see each one of us. All of us that have raised our hands, you see us. Now come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and take us as at our word. Come and take us at our word and touch us with your power, your willpower. Jesus, the night before he died, he prayed and he said, Father, I don't want this. I really don't, but your will be done. Not my will, but yours be done. He exercised his willpower. And his willpower is available to you now. His willpower is available to you now and for every day for the rest of your life. It isn't just you making a hard decision. It's him within you saying yes to your hard decision and adding his willpower and his strength to your choice. So this isn't about you doing it on your own. This is about you receiving more of Him to make it possible to do it. So Holy Spirit, I pray you come on us right now with a certainty. With a certainty that you are here for each person that said, I want you, I'm giving myself to you. And that you will give us a witness to that effect. That you are going to move in us and you are going to use us and you are going to live through us and you are going to empower our wills to say no to the things we couldn't say no to and yes to the things we couldn't say yes to. You're going to do it. Now come and touch us with your presence. Come and touch us with your willpower. Touch us with Jesus' willpower, Holy Spirit. My hope is built. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. Than Jesus' blood and righteousness I dare not trust, I dare not trust The sweetest rain Let's lift it up But holy trust in Jesus' name Christ alone, oh Christ alone Cornerstone the Savior's love through the storm He is Lord Lord of all When darkness seems to hide When darkness seems to hide His face I rest I rest on His unchanging grace
help getting over that line if you want prayer if you've got any need at all prayer teams come forward if you need a touch from the Lord come forward and let us lay hands on you and pray for you and let's see what God can do Thank you, online community, for joining us today. If you've never given your life to Jesus before and you want to, I'm going to pray that prayer with you right now. And then I'm going to release you to go out and have some coffee and some danishes. You can stand here and worship. You can come up here and be prayed for. But if you've never given your life to Jesus, that's the starting point. Jesus said this, no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So whether you're online right now or you're here in this church, Uh, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me to commit your life to Christ. Let's just all pray this out loud. Some of you, it'll be for your first time. Just say, Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead and that you're coming again. And I want to be yours from this day forward. I receive you now as my Savior. I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 We're going to continue to work. Go ahead. We're going to continue to worship. We're going to pray. You're free to stay. You're free to go. Don't forget to take your Easter card and give it to somebody. Invite them to our Easter service.